Welcome back to the Air It Out podcast. I am your host, per usual, Lucas Shu. Today on the podcast, we are welcoming on uh, Alex Kujawa to talk about the Dolphins, talk about their whole season, talk about Tutega Bailoa, their offense, their defense, everything you want to know about the Dolphins, and talk about the game against the Jaguars. That's going on later in the podcast. I'll put the timestamp in the description if you want to hear all that. But first, we're going to talk about my picks for the week, uh, last week's picks, my record, and all that good stuff before we get to Alex. So last week's record, I went 11-5 and five compared to the first week I was 10-6. and six. Remember, these picks are all money line, not spread, uh, none of that stuff. I'm, I've considered doing that, but for now I'm not going to. Next week I might. But for now, just money line. I'm just doing pick em games, nothing else. But yes, I went 11-5 and five last week. It makes us 21-11 and 11 since the first week I was 10-6. and six. But yes, we went 21-11 and 11 last week. Uh... 11, 11 and 5 last week, excuse me, 21 and 11 last week. 11 and 5 last week, and our total record is 21 11. Again, just money line, not spread. Uh, last week, we got kind of lucky with two of our games. I mean, the Cowboys and the Falcons game. Cowboys won on that onside kick with the Falcons. I don't know what they were doing. And then we had the Seahawks versus Patriots game where Cam Newton was on the goal line and the Patriots ran to the left. And the, Ram, or the Seahawks sold out to the Patriots left, and <laughs> LJ Collier managed to hit Cam Newton right in the hip and knock him down. Got lucky both those games, but we went 11 and 5, bringing us to 21 11. We're going to dive right into the picks right away for week three. Thursday Night Football, I'm not going to talk about it much because obviously Alex and me dive into it a lot. We talk about it a lot because uh, being that he's a Jaguars fan, I mean, excuse me, a Dolphin fan, but I took the Jaguars over the Dolphins in that game. We're just going to dive right into the next couple next games. I'm not even going to talk about that one much or describe it much because we got Alex. Again, timestamp for me and Alex talking about that will be in the description of the podcast. Next game up, we got the Titans versus the Vikings. I took the Vikings last week over the uh, Colts, and they lost that game. Not good, not in a good way either. It wasn't even close. I'm going to take the Titans this week. I think Ryan Tannehill has proven that he's one of the best QBs in the NFL. Last year, he was really good. I needed another year to believe it, and... The two weeks so far, he's looked really good. I mean, the guy picked apart the Broncos in week one and looked really, really good against the Broncos. Uh, and then this past week, he looked really good against the Jaguars. Granted, the Jaguars and they're the Jaguars, but still, I think the Titans are going to be a really good team this year. Probably going to be a play. Not probably, will be a playoff team unless something crazy happens to Ryan Tannehill or something in the Titans. But I'm going to take the Titans over the Vikings. Bears versus Falcons. Mitchell Trubisky had one of his best games of his career, and it looked like he might have flipped the switch. But I'm going to take the Falcons in this one. I think the Falcons are a really good team. I think they, their special team just screwed them on that last game. And I think they're going to continue dominating this offense. Kelvin Ridley's going to dominate. Julio Jones had a rough game, but I think he's going to be able to come back and dominate again. Matt Ryan's going to continue being good. And I'm not sure if Trubisky can keep up his good play. I think he, if he can, it'll be against the Falcons, being that they don't have... A great secondary right now, but I'm still gonna take the Falcons in this one, and I'm guessing it's probably gonna be a uh, a shootout. Texans for Steelers, I'm taking the Texans in this one only because, I mean, it's Deshaun Watson. I I gotta believe he's gonna turn it around at some point. He's been under pressure all year. First week against the Chiefs, next week against the uh, Ravens. I mean. I don't blame them for being 0-2. I mean, 
Ravens blitz a crap ton, and the Texans' offensive line has been crap. And the Chiefs have picked apart their uh, Texans' offensive line. So don't, and plus, I mean, Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes. So I don't blame them for being 0-2 as it stands right now. But I finally think that the Texans will get over the hump, get their first one of the season, bring down the 2-0 Steelers, and win their first game. I don't think it's going to be easy because the Steelers also blitz a lot, and they have one of the best defensive players in the NFL right now in TJ Watt, not JJ. But I think the Texans are going to win this game in a very, very close game. I don't think Big Ben got the arm to uh, do great. But I still think the Steelers' defense will do good. So I think it's going to be a close game. Bengals versus Eagles. So on my notes page, I have... I'm using docs, but for all my notes, I have the team who I think is going to win uh, bolded. And this one, I don't really have a team bolded. Because I really don't know who's going to win this game. I mean, the Eagles have looked like crap for the past two weeks. Wentz has not looked good uh, against the Rams or the Washington football team. I mean, he just looked bad. There's no other way to put it. But then you have the Bengals on the other hand. And they got beat in their first game. Beat in their second game. But Joe Burrows looked decent. He looked decent. And they lost the Chargers week one against Tyra Taylor in his now-punctured lung. Um, they lost week two in a close-ish game for a while against the Browns. Browns pulled away eventually, and Baker looked really good in that game. We'll get into that more later on when I talk about the Washington versus Browns game. But I think I'm going to go with the Eagles. I think Wentz is going to turn around. I think that Bengals' offensive line is going to struggle. Again. And I think it's going to be a close game. I think Burrow's going to do good again. I think he's good for most of the year. I know people are saying he's always a ball short only. I don't know if it's been all this crap. But I mean, he has a terrible offensive line. So he doesn't even have the time to throw a deep. But I think the Eagles in this game. And a close one against the Bengals. Very, very, very close one against the Bengals. 49ers versus Giants. I'm going to take the 49ers. Even though they have nobody on... Their team who's healthy, it feels like. I mean, Jimmy G's hurt. Raheem Mostert's hurt. George Kittle's hurt. Nick Bosa's hurt. Solomon Thomas is hurt. All these guys on the team are hurt. But I'm still going to take the Giants. The one thing that interests me in this game with the Giants is Saquon Barkley being hurt. Not because I don't think their backup's any good. I just think this might force Joe Judge and uh, the Giants offense to throw the ball more. Which inherently will be good because Daniel Jones... Daniel isn't a great quarterback yet. He's not a good quarterback either. But throwing the ball more is more beneficial for your offense and more beneficial for winning games. So I think uh, the Giants' offense being forced to throw might keep them in this game. But there's also the thing is, does Joe Judge and their offense just keep running the ball anyways, even though they don't have Saquon? It worries me a little bit. Either way, I'm going to take the 49ers over the Giants in this game. Raiders at the Patriots. This is an interesting game, and then the fact that the Raiders have started off really well so far. I mean, they looked really good against the uh, really crappy Drew Brees-led Saints. They beat them in Monday Night Football this past week, and they looked cl- it was a close game against the Panthers, the first game. But the Patriots also looked good, too. <laughs> I mean, they beat the Jets in Week 1. Played the Seahawks in Week 2 and lost on that very, very, very close play against uh, the Seahawks. And where they 
ran to the left and Seahawks sold out to their left, or to the Patriots' left. Cam Newton's looks good. He's looked good in the running game. He's looked good throwing the ball-wise. I mean, I'm going to take the Patriots in this game in a close-ish game against the Raiders. The Washington football team versus the Cleveland Brownies. I'm taking the Browns in this game. I know the offensive line is kind of beat up, especially at the offensive tackle position for the Browns. So I know they're not going to be coming out at full health even if they do play. But I'm still going to take the Browns in this game. I think Baker Mayfield and Kevin Spansky may have found their stride finally. Used a lot of play action. Got Baker out and running for the pocket. Um, I think Baker just looked really really good last week. Threw a lot of crisp passes. He threw a lot of accurate passes. Threw the ball down the field. Hit Odell on that deep ball. I mean, it was a really good game for Baker Mayfield. Against the Bengals, that is. Granted, the Bengals may not have the best defense in the world. Nonetheless, Baker threw some really good passes. Really accurate ones, too. I'm going to take him over to Washington and publish him this game. I'm not sure how I feel about Dwayne Haskins yet this season. He struggled a little bit. And this Washington defense, especially in the secondary, worries me. I think the Browns are going to take a lot of shots down deep, deep down the field. I think Troy Apke is going to be targeted down the field. Troy Apke is the Washington safety. And I think it's going to be uh, a rough game for Washington. The Rams versus the Bills. I think this could be one of the best games of the week, to be honest. You got the Bills and Josh Allen, who is Josh Allen is firing on all cylinders right now. He's looked really good, uh, throwing under pressure, throwing in a clean pocket. He's looked really good. Under pressure is going to come down eventually because it's not sustainable. But this team's looked really good. Josh Allen may have finally taken the step forward that he needed. I mean, this may be his breakout year where he finally gets it all together. Granted, he has Stephon Diggs on his team now, too. That always helps, but still. And you get the Rams, who struggled last year, finished 9-7, and who finally came back down to earth after dominating the NFL for a couple of years. And now they look fine. They look better. I mean, Jared Goff looks better. The offensive line looks better. The running game looks better. The defense looks good. I think it's going to be a really interesting game and a really close game. Even if it's not a close game, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it plays out. I'm going to take the Bills in this game or the Rams, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Rams pulled off this win here. Panthers versus Chargers. I'm going to take the Justin Herbert-led Chargers in this game. Even though I think the Panthers have a chance to win this game. A good chance, too. I think it's going to be really... I mean, Justin Herbert finally has a week to practice. He finally has a week to prepare. But the Panthers also have a week to prepare against Justin Herbert. That's an interesting thing. I'm going to take the Chargers here, but I wouldn't be shocked if the Panthers and Matt Roll win this game over the Chargers due to Justin Herbert being a rookie and having a week to actually plan for him. Jets versus Colts. There's not really much to say about this game. I mean, the Jets are one of the worst teams in the NFL right now. They are likely in line to get Trevor Lawrence. They played awful. Their offense is awful. Their receivers are awful. The defenses look bad. I mean, everything on this team looks bad. Sam Darnold looked really bad in week one. He looked good in week two. Um, if it comes on to it, he might get, end up getting traded away if the Jets get them one pick and they take Trevor Lawrence. If, if the Jets do get Trevor Lawrence, I'm going to feel so bad for him because they'll, he'll likely be coming in with no receiving help on this team unless Denzel Mims takes a step forward or unless somebody takes a step forward on this offense. I mean, his best receiver may be Chris Herndon uh, on this roster. It's going to be a brutal job for uh, Trevor Lawrence. But the Jets are facing the Colts. Colts are going to beat the Jets. I really don't see a reason why the Colts could lose to the Jets. 
Got a good offense. Yeah, Colts have a good offense. Got a good defense. Good offensive line. Philip Rivers would probably have all day in the backfield. I mean, Quentin Williams looks good for the Jets on defense, but I don't know how he's going to do against a stacked Colts offensive line. And the Colts in this game in a relatively easy game for them. Cowboys for Seahawks. I think this game is going to be a barn burner and it'll be a lot of points on the board. Uh, the Cowboys won that incredible game against the Falcons on that onside kick where the Falcons just looked at the ball like, like it was evil, like you couldn't touch it. Uh, they looked at the ball like it was like a a kick, like a punt, and they were waiting for it to stop rolling. I mean, I don't know what happened on that onside kick. I really don't know. It's something I've never seen before. They looked like they they didn't know the rule. Like, they couldn't touch it until it got 10 yards when the Cowboys can't do that. It's a kicking team. The Cowboys can touch it unless it goes 10 yards. You can touch it whenever you want to. Just fall on it. I really don't know. I mean, you. I'd rather have a player fall on it. If I'm Falcons, player, fan, coach, I'd rather have a player from the Falcons fall on it, have it come out from under him, and then lose a the game that way, then, then just stand all around and have a Cowboy dive on it, and then they dive on it, and don't get it. It's a brutal game for the Falcons. But Cowboys are Seahawks. I think the Seahawks are going to win this game. I think Russ is going to keep cooking the NFL. He's going to keep dominating. He's such a good quarterback. Can for an arm. Has touch on it. I mean, everything you want in a quarterback, he has pretty much. I think he's in the MVP conversation through two weeks. Him and Aaron Rodgers are up there. It's going to be a battle between them for now. Unless somebody falls off, unless Rodgers or Wilson falls off. But I'm going to take the Seahawks in this high-scoring game between the Cowboys and the Seahawks. Uh, next game with the Buccaneers and the Broncos. I mean, the Broncos m- might be in contention for a bottom pick, in the, or a top pick in the NFL the draft. I mean, they're uh, top, probably top three pick. Probably top three pick, just because so many players on this roster are injured. Cortland Sutton is done for the year. Draymond Jones is done for two to six weeks. Drew Locke is done for two to six weeks. Uh, Von Miller is done. Um, AJ Bouye is hurt for like three weeks. I mean, they could literally be going like 0-4, 5 heading into the middle of the season. I mean, obviously, they got the Buccaneers. They lost their first two games of the season already to the Titans week one and Steelers in week two. The Buccaneers, who are a tough team, and will they'll likely lose to, go to 0-3. The Jets, they will actually have a chance of beating to go 1-3. But after that, they have the Patriots again. They have Patriots, Dolphins, and then the Chiefs. So realistically, the Broncos could be looking at... 1-2-1-3. They could be looking at 2-5 and five at Week 7. They could be looking at... Through 8 games, they could be 2-6 because the Falcons are their... Uh, the game after the Chiefs. Like you're looking at two and six after eight games. I mean, looking down the that's looking down the barrel of a top five pick, and it's not crazy. Say Drew Locke comes second in four weeks, so he misses this game, misses the Jets game, misses the Patriots game, misses the Dolphins game. So he comes back at the Chiefs and Falcons. I mean, four weeks is right in the middle of that schedule where he would come back. Two to six weeks, so say week four, say four weeks he comes back. They so come back to the Chiefs Falcons game. I mean, 
the the Broncos could theoretically lose to the Jets because they're putting out Trevor, not Trevor Simeon, uh, Jeff Driscoll out there. Or Blake Bortles. And they could lose to the Bron Dolphins because they're putting out uh, Bortles or Driscoll. It's going to be a rough couple weeks for the Broncos here. I mean, they have nobody on their offense. Jerry Judy is the only guy they have in their offense right now. Phil Lindsay is hurt also. I mean, no fan and Jerry Judy are going to have to carry this team to wins because there's no way they're going to be able to win many games. It's going to take the Buccaneers here or the Broncos. I mean, even the Buccaneers... Buccaneers can play bad and still win this game. I think the Buccaneers over the Broncos in this game. Lions versus Cardinals. Lions got stomped last week by the Packers. I mean, they... Aaron Rodgers, again, just went off. Throwing dimes all over the field. He didn't look as good as he did in week one. I don't think anybody can because that was one of the best games in Rodgers' career. But he still looked really good. Dominated the Lions. Threw all over them. Kept hitting targets over the middle of the field. Hit targets down, down the field. I mean, it was a great game for Rodgers and the company. Aaron Jones looked good. I mean, he could have been better, but... Anyways. Uh, the Lions still put up points, though. They did well against the uh, Packers defense until it got down to garbage time and Stafford started forcing stuff. And he had that pick six by, uh, I can't remember who it was, and Chandon Sullivan maybe? I'm not sure. But uh, as a cornerback in the Lions back against their end zone and it was just a simple route to the outside and he jumped it. Took it back to the end zone. But... I think Lions have a chance against the Cardinals, but I think Kyler Murray and the Cardinals are going to go 3-0, and beat the Lions this week in a close game because I think the Lions will give them a really tough game because they can put up points, and the Cardinals even, I don't know how it's doing so far. I mean, I know how it's doing, but it's not doing good. I mean, Isaiah Simmons hasn't looked good so far. Um, I think it's going to be a rough game for the Cardinals, on defense at least. But I think they're going to win this game against the Lions. Packers versus Saints. Uh, if you don't know, I am a Packers fan, and coming into the season, I was very worried about this game. Very, very, very worried about this game. I thought I thought we'd be like one and one at this point, two and zero, likely two and zero. I thought we could maybe screw up this game. so screw up a Vikings or Lions game somehow. I was high on the Lions, so I thought we might have lost that one. But I was really worried about the Saints game. I thought this would be a first loss for sure, at minimum. If you beat the Lions and Vikings, I thought this would be a first loss. I think the Saints look really good. They have a great offense, a great defense. They got Ryan Ramchek on that line, Teron Armstead. They have Michael Thomas, who now is hurt. They got Emmanuel Sanders. Before this, before the season, I said Michael Thomas wasn't hurt. They got great defense. But as I say here on Thursday afternoon, twelve twenty-four Central Time, I think the Packers are going to win this game. Michael Thomas is out. Even if he does play, he's going to be not the Michael Thomas that we know. Uh, Drew Brees has looked really bad so far. A lot of chuckdowns, a lot of slant routes, barely get anything down the field. Has no zip on the ball anymore. Um, it's gonna be rough. The Packers probably just gonna sit underneath on the Saints, force Drew Brees to throw deep, and Drew Brees probably will likely not be able to do that. He's gonna look bad. I mean, and look at their defense. Derek Carr carved him up. I mean, you. It's gonna be. I think Packers going this game pretty handily. I'm surprised I'm saying that, but I think so. I mean, if Kenny Clark is back and relatively healthy, it's a big boost to their Packers defense. Jerry Alexander has looked really good through two weeks so far. I mean, I think it's going to be a rough game for the Saints. I think Packers win this game pretty handily. Drew Brees isn't what he is anymore, or what he used to be anymore. And I think they're going to struggle. 
I'm taking Packers over to the Saints. Monday Night Football, last game of the week. We got the uh, Kansas City Chiefs versus the Baltimore Ravens. This is probably going to be the most exciting game of the season. <laughs> maybe, maybe the season. I'm going to say week, but it could be the most exciting game of the, of the season. But Chiefs versus Ravens in Baltimore. The Ravens have stomped the first two teams they have faced in the uh, Cleveland Browns and on the Houston Texans. The Chiefs stomped the Houston Texans in week one, and they had a close game against the uh, Los Angeles Chargers. Granted, they didn't know Justin Herbert was going to be playing quarterback for the Chargers because Tyre Taylor had a punctured lung from his team doctor who missed his ribcage and hit the lung. So that was a whole mess, but Chiefs still won that game in overtime. They had to win that game in overtime. It was a very close game, closer than I thought it was ever going to be, but the team that always gives the Chiefs fits is the Chargers. I mean, they had the team to do it. They have uh, Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa on each end. Both guys can terrorize any offensive tackle. And Mitchell Schwartz did pretty bad, on, honestly, against Bosa in general that game. And they have great defensive players. They didn't even have Darwin James this week, but they still had uh, the likes of Casey Hayward, Chris Harris Jr., Desmond King, a bunch of other defensive players who can cover really well. So it made it hard on the Chiefs. Still won those game, though. Then you look over at the Ravens. They beat the Browns pretty handily. Lamar looked like Lamar. It looked like he's continuing his MVP campaign. He's about to dominate again. Not as good as MVP campaign, but it still looked great. Then they played the Texans. Beat the Texans pretty handily. Have you played scheme? Handed Deshaun Watson really well. Deshaun Watson didn't look good at all. Heading into this game, I think it's going to be obviously a barn burner of a game. One of the most entertaining games of the whole year. I'm going to take the Chiefs in this game just because I can't. I'm so high on Patrick Mahomes. I just believe in this offense so much that I think they'll be able to beat the Ravens here. And I think Mahomes will be able to deal with this heavy blitzing scheme the Ravens use. But, I mean, the Ravens are the best team at staying ahead of teams because of how they play with their heavy running system and just getting first down to first down to first down. And they're the best team at it. And the Chiefs are the best team at coming back from these kind of games where they're losing because they had the firepower like Mahomes, Kelsey, Watkins, Hill, Hardman, all these guys who can score in a matter of a second. I think the Chiefs are going to win this game. And I think it's going to be a really, really, really close game. Probably going to come down to whoever has the ball last. But I'm going to take the Chiefs in this game. That's all for this portion of the podcast, guys. Stay on the podcast. Listen to Alex Kajawa. He is a huge Dolphins fan. We had a great talk about the Dolphins, what's going on with their offense and their defense. Uh, I had him on earlier in the year to talk about the Dolphins in the, before the season started. We were pretty optimistic on them with their improved defense or anything. Improved team overall and they struggled so far so we went in and talked about uh their offense their defense what's going on in miami currently and what he feels it was a great time we talked about for 50 minutes it was a great time guys i really enjoyed talking to alex as i always do he's a great guest on this podcast i was getting on for sure uh again later in the year but thanks for listening to this portion of the podcast guys remember to follow me on twitter at lucas shoe two l-u-c-a-s s-c-h-u-h to follow the podcast Twitter account at Aired Out Pod on Twitter at A I R I T O U T P O D Aired Out Pod on Twitter. 
Um, I'm gonna recap my picks quick. I'm gonna forget about that. Then I'll get you, then I'll get out of here. Jaguars over Dolphins, Titans over Vikings, Falcons over Bears, Texans over Steelers, uh, Eagles over Bengals, 49ers over Giants, Patriots over Raiders, Browns over Washington, Bills over the Rams, Chargers over the Panthers, Colts over the Jets, Seahawks over the Cowboys, Buccaneers over the Broncos, Cardinals over the Lions, Packers over the Saints, and on Monday Night Football, I have the Chiefs over the Ravens. Uh, thanks again for listening, guys. As I said, follow the podcast Twitter account, follow my Twitter account, review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to, share with whoever you want. Uh, thanks for listening to the podcast, guys. Stay on for Alex, like I said. See you later. Welcome back to the Aired Out Podcast. I am your host, per usual, Lucas Shu. Today, we have another guest on the podcast. I'm trying to continue my uh, style of having fans from the Thursday night games on here. So we have a Miami Dolphins fan on the podcast. Uh, some Dolphins playing the Jaguars, but we're having on Alex Kujawa. He was on the podcast about a month or two ago. We talked Dolphins, talked uh, their offseason moves and all that good stuff. And now he's actually on today, two weeks into the regular season, heading into week three. We're recording this on a Tuesday. It'll be uploaded on a Thursday. So if anything major happens, we don't catch it on a Wednesday, Thursday, injury report, all that good stuff. Uh, that's why. But Alex, welcome to the podcast again. How's it going, buddy? I'm good, Lucas. Appreciate you having me on. Um, for anybody that, that didn't listen to that first one, I'm sure I said a couple things that uh, haven't gone as planned as, uh, you know, the Dolphins have got off to a little bit of a rocky start, but looking forward to dissecting that a little bit and talking a little bit here about Thursday night. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't listened to the podcast, I should go listen to it. But what we talked about in that podcast, like I said, was the Dolphins offseason, their draft, their free agency, all that good jazz. But we were very positive, I mean, coming into that offseason for the Dolphins, we were talking about them. We liked their draft pretty much. We liked the free agency moves, Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy, all their moves, basically stealing everybody from the Patriots and Cowboys. But two weeks into the regular season, the Dolphins have played the Patriots in week one, Buffalo Bills in week two, and they're 0-2 so far. I mean, starting it off, Alex, how do you feel through Dolphins' first two games? Yeah, you know what, Lucas, I think um, the, the, there certainly has been some bright spots, but at the end of the day, you're right. We talked very positive about this team. Um, you know, some people, you know, Peter King, who's an expert, even have them, you know, win in the AFC East, and we've had some people who are super, super optimistic. And, um, you know, I think when you take a look at week one and what happened, um, you know, Josh McDaniels and Cam Newton and Bill Belichick, they had all off season, And, um, you know, the, the Dolphins have nothing to base that offense off of. And, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I might have undersold Cam Newton a little bit. He came in and he's looked fantastic through two weeks. I think, um, you know, the way that that offense has evolved in New England and seeing what he's done, um, you know, just from a football fan perspective, it's been pretty neat to see that. Um, obviously, as Dolphin fans, we're, we're sick and tired of the Patriots having success. But at the end of the day, you got to give credit where it's due. But, um, you know, week one, they went in and they battled. Uh, the, the, the disappointing thing for me week one was, the run defense with uh, a lot of the investments of Emmanuel Ogba and Shaq Lawson and Kyle Van, mm -hmm. Landon Roberts, and the list goes on and on, uh, you know, dedicating to stopping the run. And uh, unfortunately the Dolphins really struggled. They gave up, you know, gave up over 200 plus on the ground to the Patriots and um, you know, their high dollar corners didn't really get tested much week one. And um, I believe at the end of week one, they had the, the 32nd ranked rush defense and the, the number one ranked pass defense. And here we go to week two and, 
the Buffalo Bills come into town. It's a big home opener and a big test. And boy, oh boy, the Bills diced them up. Um, you know, Noah Igbenogany got a really, really tough matchup on Stephon Diggs with uh, Byron Jones. We'll go into more detail on this, but Byron Jones, who, um, you know, looked very solid week one, ended up hurting his groin on the first drive of, of the week two matchup versus the Bills. And the Brian Flores and the crew stuck to their game plan of having, you know, Xavier Howard on John Brown and in came a rookie on Stefan Diggs. And um, it was a welcome to the NFL moment for him. Mm -hmm. You know, Diggs had a lot of success. Josh Allen threw the ball extremely accurate and, and pushed it down the field. They had a lot of chunk plays and um, the bills looked very solid. And then the Dolphins defense with all the different additions, um, you know, it has really not come into mold just yet. They haven't looked the way I maybe thought they would. Haven't generated much of a pass rush. Got diced up, uh, you know, on the back end. And, um, you know, what we're going to see, they got another test on Thursday night. And I think kind of coming into this season, you circled this game and the Jaguars, obviously, with kind of the negative uh, notion that they had. That offense has got some playmakers. Um, it's going to be another test for the Dolphins' defense and, um, I know we haven't even touched base on the offense just yet, but that's a little bit of uh, kind of how I'm feeling. Um, some good and, and a lot of bad and a lot of that need, you know, a lot of things that need to get worked out. But at the end of the day, it's two weeks, it's 16 game season. And um, with all the additions that they made and with the little off season, you figure there are going to be some growing pains along the way. Of course. I mean, the Dolphins, like we talked about this past podcast, they're a very, very, very young team. I mean, they had Austin Jackson in their offense. They added Noah Egbionene to that defense. They had drafted a bunch of guys. Tua's obviously hasn't played yet. But they're a very, very, very young team. And they're a very, very new team in the fact that they brought in a lot of new faces. Like, of course, Brian Fuller just has worked with a bunch of these guys in New England and all this stuff. And he knows a lot of them. But it's his team now. And you're bringing in a bunch of guys who haven't played with a bunch, another bunch of guys, like Christian Wilkins and all these guys who have been there for a while, or Xavier Howard, uh, Devontae Parker. They've all been together, but they haven't worked with guys from New England. So when you get all this transitioning over and, and new pieces getting added to a defense, new pieces getting added to an offense, you're going to get a lot and a lot of growing pains. But one reason I was kind of a little high in the Steelers this year and kind of positive about them was there wasn't a lot of a turnover. I know, we're not, I know we're not in the AFC East with uh, Dolphins, but it's similar to the fact that they're opposites in that there is zero turnover in Pittsburgh. No real offensive changes really major besides me Chase Claypool. No real defensive changes maybe really. And the average besides still on to it, but he played in Pittsburgh already. But with this Dolphins team, the fact that they're so young, got so much turnover, I think it's somewhat fair to expect some this growing pains, like you said. Absolutely. You hit it right on the head, and I think that Steelers analogy is, is, is great. And I think even staying in division with the Bills, um, you know, other than the addition of Stephon Diggs, and they've made other additions as well, but they're yeah. – Pretty familiar roster, and um, you definitely saw that that veteran presence. Um, you know, take it, it really overpowered the Dolphins on Sunday. But um, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they respond, and, and I'm looking forward to um, you know kind of talking even more about the offense here in a little bit. Right, uh, we're done with them in a little bit, but first I want to talk about the, the youngness of its team. Like, there's so many young players in this team. Uh, they drafted a bunch of guys. Austin Jackson, the guy on this roster, who's been playing a decent bit. Uh, no, if you're not any on the other side of the uh, team, bunch of young dudes in this team. Is there anybody on this roster who maybe hasn't impressed you so far, but who has shown flashes or shown you any exciting plays or anything that you are looking forward to in the future with them? Yeah, I'll tell you what, it's not a, a real 
fun position to, to dive deep into, but I think Austin Jackson's done a tremendous job um, through two weeks coming in at left tackle. Obviously, um, you know, the athletic profile was there coming out of school, but there were some, you know, people that, that thought he might be a little raw, might be a little tough to, to ease his way in, but he's come in at left tackle and, and he's held his own. Um, you know, he's been able to stonewall some pretty good pass rushers and, um, you know, against a couple of nice fronts in division. And he's done a very good job. And Solomon Kinley's another guy as well, a fourth round pick out of Georgia. Uh, a lot of people expected Robert Hunt. I know we, we raved about Robert Hunt. He's mm-hmm. actually the sixth offensive lineman. He's not even a starter right now. Uh, Solomon Kinley out of Georgia came in, um, you know, and, and whether we want to talk about SEC versus, um, you know, Sunbelt or whatever we want to talk about. Um, Solomon Kinley's come in. He's a little bit more polished off. And uh, he's been a mauler in the run game. He's had some some nice lead blocks along the way. And, um, you know, between him and Jackson, I think it's been pretty cool to see, uh, you know, an offensive line unit that, that's been much improved. The run game's been um, you know, it, it really couldn't get any worse than it was last year, to be brutally honest. But we've seen flashes of that. And, um, you know, another young guy who's not a rookie, but has really kind of taken the lead, you know, back by surprise is Miles Gaskin in the backfield. Uh, that's a name that nobody in fantasy expected. I think it was all Jordan Howard and Matt Breida, but you mm-hmm. take, you know, the, the share of the, the touches in the backfield and Gaskin's been catching the ball at a pretty high volume. And, um, you know, has been been finding some creases and powering forward for five, six, seven, eight at a, at a crack, and he's been uh, he's been a pleasant surprise. But um, you know, I think those are some young guys that have stuck out. And like we mentioned, I think uh, Igbenogany is going to get better with time. Uh, that that's a tough matchup. I, I think shadowing Stephon Diggs is a tough task for just about any corner. So hopefully, uh, you know, with him being the youngest guy in the National Football League at under 21 years of age, uh, hopefully he continues to to kind of grow throughout the year. Right. I mean, I've the first game of Austin Jackson's career, I was I was a little low on him, but he actually did pretty decent against the New England Patriots defense, who is notably pretty creative, pretty interesting. They put new interesting formations and all this stuff, such as Bill Belichick had coaching them. And he did pretty decent. I mean, he did good for a rookie. He didn't do great, I don't think, but I think he did good, which is what I means doing good for a rookie in the NFL, especially as an offensive tackle where pretty much all offensive linemen are projects essentially rarely do see a guy step into the NFL and dominate unless you're like Ryan Ramchuk. but to see him do decent I think positive to even show that it's positive especially for offensive line play Solomon Kinley came in there he's a nice powerful dude from Georgia and they got a bunch of them Isaiah Wynn got drafted and all these guys are his freaks of nature Isaiah Wilson from uh, Tennessee they're all freaks of nature and uh, Noah Ignanity, he, he's got a raw deal, I think, in that uh, Buffalo Bills game. Cornerbacks were young, and rookies in general, you obviously, like I said, you don't expect them to contribute a lot. They're young. They're still developing. They haven't reached their full potential. They're still learning the game. Everything moves fast in the NFL, like a million miles an hour compared to college. And then put him up against Stephon Diggs, who is one of the best receivers in the NFL, probably the best in the AFC East. Probably, yeah, probably, probably is. Yeah, I would agree. And then he's either when he was in the NFC North, he was either one or two with Devontae Adams. I mean, it's a raw. It just sucks for Noah because I mean, you're not going to win that matchup. Nobody is going to win that matchup unless you're like a top five cornerback. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a tall task. And you know, I give him credit. He he stood there and um, you know took a lot of criticism after the game, and he's yeah. got a positive attitude. He'll bounce back. Um, he's a raw he's a raw product to begin. Mm-hmm. Only his third year 
playing defense. He got recruited to Auburn as a wide receiver, and they moved yeah. him over to the defensive side of the ball. Young guy, uh, you know, obviously all the athletic ability in the world, but uh, like you mentioned, unless you're a top five corner, probably not going to win that matchup. So I'm not going to get uh, too low on him. Right. He reminded you of C.J. Henderson from this draft, where they're just freaks of nature athletically, but still raw in like their skill set. But I don't blame him for that. Uh, the most gassing thing you mentioned, I mean, that was literally my next question after that. He is such an interesting story to me because he was borderline not going to make the team. He, like, preseason, what preseason wise, like, we'd have preseason, but like, before the season started, I should say, he was a question mark to make the team. He was like, one yep. of those guys who was like, does he make a team? Does he get cut? Does he practice squad him? The extra bases or anything and the not maximum years and all that crap? Uh, what do they do with him? He ended up making a team. And like you said, fantasy, I was doing a fantasy draft before the season started, like by late August. And I remember looking at the Dolphins and I'm like, I don't really want to touch him because I think it's going to be a split back with Jordan Howard and Matt Breida. Then out of nowhere, I'm looking at fantasy week one. I'm Miles Gaskin's like dominating. Like, what's going on? And sure enough, I watched the game later on, watched him highlights. Like, He's doing really decent. I mean, what do you think of like, Miles Gaskin? Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you, Lucas. That one caught myself and, and I think a lot of Dolphin fans off guard. And I just even remember thinking week one, um, you know, a couple drives, why is Miles Gaskin still out there? You know, on the surface, everybody had anticipated to be a, a two-headed monster between Howard and Breida. And, mm-hmm. you know, Gaskin obviously has caught the eyes of the coaching staff and he's been productive when he's been in there. Um, you know, I think him and, him and Fitzpatrick have a pretty good chemistry uh, in the passing game. And, He's done a real good job of, of really utilizing that skill set. I think Matt Breida is able to do that as well. Um, you know, but it's been interesting to see how Chan Gailey's kind of used those running backs. Uh, you know, Jordan Howard has pretty much strictly been a goal line to, you know, third and short, uh, you know, powerful back where they're putting him in and in 12 personnel and they're, they're running that football. Um, but Miles Gaskin has, has really got a lot of work. Um, you know, Matt Breida, I think, might have been a little underutilized week one. It was good to see him kind of get out there and make some plays in week two and um, you know, whatever it may be, I, you know, Gaskin was a guy, like you mentioned, I think he was kind of on the bubble during camp uh, followed some of the, the live training camp tweets and whatnot. And seemed like every day he had an impressive run or flashed in some way, shape or form. And, you know, there's even a guy like Patrick Laird, if, if you remember at the end of last mm-hmm. got a lot of carries and uh, it was kind of him and, and miles Gaskin that took a lot of work and, I want to say it's been four games in a row now that he's had 50 plus scrimmage yards dating back to last year, um, you know, versus the Bengals and Patriots in week 16 and 17. So he's a guy who's, um, you know, he's been productive as of late, uh, prolific runner in college. You know, I think he's top 10 all time in yards at Washington and uh, saw a lot of time and, you know, good for him. He's a guy not expect, um, you know, but, but at the end of the day, if he's productive and if he's the way, you know, producing the way he has been and running hard with the low pad level he's been running at, um, I'm curious to see if we can get some more of it. So stay tuned on Miles Gaskin. If he's on the waiver wire, you might want to look at him. He's at, he's had a pretty good workload. I mean, yeah, I like what I like about him the most in the past couple of games is his ability to attack in like the receiving game. I think that's the most important aspect about running back now these days. I mean, it's not that, it's not the 1990s anymore. It's not 2000 where you need a guy who can go between the, go between the tackles, power between the guys. You don't need that anymore. You need a guy who's like a Kamara or like a Aaron Jones or one of these guys who can split out wide or move from the backfield, create in his own, win on a route against like a linebacker or even a corner sometimes like you start Aaron Jones do. You need that kind of guy. I think he's done a nice job. I'm, I'm really happy for him. I mean, last year he was basically a flyer for the Dolphins, like seventh round pick, really late. There's 
take at that point you don't know what you're getting really i mean scouts like to say they know who the guy is like oh he's gonna be good like you don't know what you're getting you don't know yeah. even these guys you can't tell me like patriots do tom brady nobody knows what they're getting in anybody in the late rounds but getting even decent quality out of a guy like miles gaskin in this case i mean it's a great great pickup for the dolphins right there I agree. I think he hit it right on the head. And um, I, I think your point of versatility at running backs huge. And I think that mm-hmm. might, you know, be something that's hampering Jordan Howard with a lot of people. I thought, um, you know, he'd be the big, yeah. the big bell cow, you know, he, he hasn't really created too much in the passing game. I know he's historically well known for, for being a nice, you know, blocker and third, third down situations or whatever it may be. But yeah, it's been interesting. I think Gaskins really, you know, take advantage of that role and found a niche and we'll see if uh, it continues. Yeah, it's really, really interesting. Uh, speaking of the offense, staying on this topic, uh, we're going about the passing game. I, the passing game was going to be always talked about with Miami just because who they drafted, obviously, being Tua Tagovailoa and just how prolific of a college career he had. Everybody knew Tua Tagovailoa. And we hadn't seen any action yet. I haven't heard a much bunch from over yeah, – excuse me, haven't heard much rumors about him or anything. All I've heard is Fitzpatrick – Fitzpatrick's done okay for the Dolphins. Nothing special, nothing terrible. Just regular old play. Uh, their first game, they got just waxed by the Patriots, scored 11 points. When they come out against the Bills, who have notoriously good defense, Tredavious White out there, Jordan Poyer, Micah Hyde, you name it. And they put up 28 points. I mean, what do you think about this passing game? Are you fan? Are you, I mean, what do you think about it? Yeah, week one, um, you saw the good and bad of Fitzpatrick. And in week two, you saw the good and bad of Fitzpatrick. He is what he is. Um, mm-hmm. I think he's a very, very fun guy to watch. I think, um, you know, it's a roller coaster with Fitzpatrick back there, just to put it blunt. But it's been it's been a lot of up and down. I think week one, I was a little disappointed with the passing game. And, um, you know, a, a big turning point in that game was, was Devontae Parker um, you know, tweaking his hamstring and that offense without mm-hmm. Parker, um, it, it, it might be a little sore on the eyes for Dolphin fans this year. Um, you know, he was able to battle through that injury in week two. And I think the production uh, was certainly there because of it, but yeah, it's, it's been unique watching this team go. Um, you know, Devontae Parker was productive in week one. Like I mentioned, that went down with an injury. Uh, Preston Williams had some tough matchups. Uh, he's had Gilmore on him, you know, when Parker went down and Tredavious White for the most part uh, shadowed Preston Williams. And I want to say Williams has been targeted 12 times this year and he's got three catches. Um, he he might've been a little bit of a step back. Um, they might've believed in him a little bit too much. And again, it's super early. He's uber talented. Um, in, in, you know, he had, he had a really, really big drop in, in week two that could have put the Dolphins head down by the goal line. Um, this past week versus the Bills, but hoping Preston can take that next step. Like I mentioned, all the you know athletic ability and talents there. He struggled to get a little bit of separation uh, in the passing game, but albeit versus some of the best corners in the league. So again, that's another one to stay tuned on. And Devontae Parker, like I mentioned, um, was productive week one, went down with a little hamstring tweak um, and ended up coming back week two and was solid. You can tell he's a little bit limited, but that team with him out there is just much more dangerous. And um, I think Mike Gusecki was fantastic to watch last week. Uh, he, he's a matchup nightmare. Uh, he, he thrived finding some holes in the zone versus the Bills and making some contested catches and one-handed grabs. And I think him and, uh, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick have a great chemistry. Uh, the two of them, you know, dating back to the second half of last year have been solid to, uh, to watch. And this past game's taken a little bit of a hit. I think, you know, last time we spoke, 
Albert Wilson was still in the card. He mm-hmm. died out for the season due to COVID and same with Alan Hearns. Um, so you've had guys like Isaiah Ford who have, um, you know, come into the fold and Jakeem Grant and they made a, a couple big trades uh, or not a, a couple, but they made a big trade for getting Lynn Bowden Jr. from the Raiders. They're hoping he can come in, I think in the second half of this year and, and add a little bit of a, a dynamic element to this passing game, a little bit of run after catch. But that's the big thing I'd say with this, uh, this passing game right now is, they got some big, tall bodies who can go up and, you know, high point the football and Parker and Williams and Gasecki. But unfortunately, they don't have a lot of run after catchability. I like Isaiah Ford, um, but he's kind of a possession guy. Jakeem, I like a lot. And I think if you get him in open space, he can make some stuff happen. But they haven't been able to do that to date. Um, you know, and, and in general, kind of circling back to Fitz, he is what he is. Um, you know, you're going to get a lot of good. You're going to get a lot of bad. But I think he's got some good chemistry with these guys. Uh, you know, he's been able to maneuver the rush and, you know, step up and make some tough throws. And mm-hmm. like he's, he's a fun guy to watch. Um, I, I think Tua's time will be here at some point this year. But, you know, without Ryan Fitzpatrick, I don't think they're in that, that Bills game. I thought he played super well last week and hoping he can build on that uh, versus Jacksonville. But ups and downs, I figured it would take a little bit of time. But, but the passing game has been um, – it, it's been okay. It, and I, I think it's, it's big week three here. The Jags have been uh, carved up a little bit early on in the year, so I think it's a good opportunity for them to to exploit this Jags defense. Yeah, I mean, I think that was great right there. I mean, get dunked out of the receivers first. The Limboden Jr. pickup, I really, really liked it. I mean, at Kentucky last year, really weird season. I believe he played basically QB for Kentucky. It was such a weird, weird year. He mainly played receiver at Kentucky for most of the time there, but he played QB like, most of the season almost it was such a weird year because I feel like if you played receiver he would have been drafted higher on or he would have been thought of as more but he didn't get developed as it and he's such a freak of nature athlete like he can use so freaking fast he's so agile he can make guys miss and he's just so dynamic I thought it'd be a perfect fit for this Dolphins offense I mean you got Preston Williams you can high point the ball and that's what he's known for with receiving wise and then you got a uh, What's his name? Devontae Parker, big name physical possession guy. All these guys are possession guys. And the one thing I wanted from the Dolphins, because I think they have some nice pieces. I'm hiring the Dolphins receiving core more than most. But the one thing I really, really, really wanted them to do, especially in the draft, was to draft like a guy who can get open. Just yep. A guy who can make it easy, get open. Because in the NFL, guys don't get open like they do in college. Guys don't get like two steps of separation like they did in college. They get like half a step at best usually. Unless you're an elite guy, you can get, obviously, elite separation, but they don't get it often. The only thing I really wanted was a guy who can separate or have some speed to this game or get open quick. And I thought it would be Limbo and Jr. Get him, get creative with him, use some jet swoops with him, get open underneath, let him get open in the middle field, uh, scheme something up for him. He's not the guy yet where he's going to win a press coverage release and just blow by you down the field. He's not that guy. But what he can do is win in the middle of the field, get him the ball, throw him a screen, maybe a wide receiver screen, just let him do something with the ball in his hands. That's what he's good at. And I like the pickup. I really want to see more of him, especially. The one guy who really impressed me was Mike Gusecki. I mean, everybody's talking about him. I saw like people on Fantasy, people talking about him, like on Twitter that I follow, saying it's going to be a breakout year for him. The one people I like a lot are like athletic people, and he had that freaky combine a couple years ago. Yep. And he finally might, might be breaking out. I and mean, he killed it last week against the Bills. He was 
unbelievable. You know, like I mentioned, contested catches. I want to say five of his eight receptions uh, were on corners too. So, I mean, this is a guy, he's a matchup nightmare. Um, you know, you get him in the slot and allow him to work on a linebacker, um, you know, safety corner, you name it. I think he can, he can win. He's got strong hands. I think he, he, he had a couple of really nice contested catches where plucked that, you know, ball out of the air and, and held onto it with a couple guys draped all over him. But he's a big body. He's a, he's a big element to this team that, uh, that they're certainly going to need that moving forward. And, you know, makes it makes Fitz's job easier, hopefully Tua's job easier here in the future. But he hit it right ahead. I think Lynn Bowden um, is a guy who is going to be super valuable when he's able to kind of pick up on that offense and, and hopefully get involved just because, like I mentioned, they got uh, – they struggle a little bit creating separation at times just with those big bodies. And they need a guy who can, uh, like you mentioned, just make the quarterback's job a little bit easier, run after catch, get open at a higher level. And um, I think they're hoping that he's that guy. And, you know, he was in Oakland or excuse me, Las Vegas uh, with the Raiders and they had him at running back. You know, they didn't even have him at receiver. He kind of had a rough Mm -hmm. camp. Uh, Didn't sound like it was a great fit. So it's a, it's a, you know, fresh start for him in Miami and, I think, uh, you know, all Dolphin fans are, are hoping that they can get a nice return on investment with him, um, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, I think Lynn Bowden's going to turn out really nice for them. Maybe give him a little bit of time, but when he's adjusted, he's got, like, big play potential on every single play. He's so freaking quick. Yeah, I just looked up Mike Kosecki's combine because it always amazes me. He had a 4.54 40-yard dash at 247 pounds, which that's incredible. He had yeah. a 41 and a half inch vertical leap, 129 inch broad jump. I mean, dude's a freak of nature. Freak he of is. nature. He is. I think he played uh, volleyball in high school or maybe not. He might've played volleyball. Maybe not, but I know basketball highlights for sure. And catching lobs and swatting people, he can jump out of the gym. So just seeing that all come together, I was a huge fan of him coming out of school. I just mm. remember, um, actually funny for us, we were, I was at a Timber Rattler game. Uh, and I remember when they drafted him, and I was I was pumped. I was really really pumped because I figured this was going to be uh, you know what they needed in a big play. I think they might have had like Julius Thomas or a couple people like honor him for him. So I'm thinking this is the guy we need. Uh, and sure enough, he started to come into his fold, and I, I think he can be a very very scary player moving forward. So uh, looking forward to seeing him continue to grow. <laughs> I mean, there for percentile wise for his combine amongst all his like drills, athletic drills at what eyes. He only has one that's not in the 90 percentile. And that's his bench press where he had 22 reps. But everything else is just 98 percentile, 99 percentile. He's a freak of nature dude. I mean. Yeah, he is. He's one of those guys where the tight end position kind of some of the offensive line position, offensive tackle just in general. But you need a couple of years for until a guy breaks out. They need time to work in their blocking, time to work in their receiving. They have all this stuff going on in their position group. Like they're they're a receiver. They block into all this stuff with the tight end. And they need a little extra time to develop. They need a little extra time to get acclimated to the NFL. They need just get adjusted, just in general. And I think we might be seeing it, really. I mean, he's so good. But uh, switching over to the defensive side of the ball, me and you talked about it this offseason. The one thing that I really liked anyways, me and you talked about as well, but was their defense. They added Byron Jones from uh, Dallas, who just absolutely balled out for Dallas. And they add a bunch of guys, Kyle Van Noor, they add to this roster, Landon Roberts, they add to this roster. Um, there's a numerous amount of guys they added, they added young guys like Noah, uh, Noah Granini. Uh, they have all these guys that already had 
uh, Raekwon Davis, I believe. They had a bunch of guys. I had Christian Wilkins still. And the one thing I was really excited for was their defense. I thought it could give people fits. I mean, you had guys who can just stop the run, play the gaps, uh, shed their blocks, all these kind of guys. But then you got guys who can play the secondary as well, Xavier Howard, Byron Jones. So I thought they were going to give people fits so far. I think they're going to make the uh, Patriots struggle, especially with their heavy running scheme so far anyways. And then I thought they were going to get Bill's trouble with Josh Allen and his erratic behavior at times. But it hasn't happened so far. I mean, what do you, what do you think about this defense? Yeah, you're right, Lucas. It's actually been the opposite. I think they've been giving themselves fits. It hasn't gone uh, the way that any of us thought, I think, early on. Um, And and the big thing that I would say with this Dolphins football team is week one, Cam Newton was a load. Um, He he was tough to bring down. They got that run game going. And uh, they they really, really struggled at the point of attack and kind of struggled to set that edge week one. Um, But Mm -hmm. we – it's a little bit alarming uh, with the Bills, and it was more of a strength on strength. The Bills wide receivers versus the Dolphins secondary. Um, nobody likes excuses, and, and nobody cares in the NFL, but I think that Byron Jones injury with his groin was a massive loss uh, and really threw off their game plan and, and made it a little bit more ugly on the stat sheet than I think it would have ended up being if he was able to finish that game. Um, but but they're you know a man and cover one team. They're going to live and die by that. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing that they need to get better at is, you know, creating a little bit of pressure and, and, and getting that quarterback off his spot. And, you know, they were able to do that at times with Josh Allen, but he was able to elude the rush. And if he extends the play, he's a dangerous man with his arm strength. But overall, they got to get more of a, a push up front. They got to generate some sort of pass rush. I want to say they've only got two sacks in two games, uh, you know, which is unacceptable. They need guys like Shaq Lawson, Emmanuel Ogba, uh, Kyle Van Noy, you know, even Jerome Baker at times uh, to rush the passer. And, and they, they just got to they gotta create a little bit more pressure. And I think with that being said, you create more pressure up front, that's going to help those guys on the back end because I don't care if you're, you know, the best corners in the game. If you got to cover for four or five seconds down the field, mm-hmm. not going to be good, you know, especially against the, the talented wide receivers that they faced, um, you know, week two. So, yeah, you're right. It hasn't quite been what, what we might have thought. Um, I think veterans like Kyle Van Noy – have left a couple plays out on the field, but at, at the end of the day, I've got confidence that, um, that their best football will likely be in the, the, the back eight games of the year. Uh, and that's not something we want to hear, especially at the start of the year with the, the difficult schedule that they've had and will continue to face. Um, so it's tough. The, the Dolphins certainly have their work uh, cut out for them. Like I said, defense hasn't gelled the way we might have thought. They added a lot of young uh, pieces and they've added a lot of, you know, experienced vets and, uh, hasn't quite molded the way that we might think, but I think moving forward, things will improve um, as time goes on. But I think at the end of the day, it comes down to generating some sort of pressure uh, and getting a little bit more production up front, because I think uh, by doing that, you're going to, you're going to reap the benefits and have some playmakers on the back end, uh, you know, take advantage of that. Right. And talking about this pressure first, I mean, I look, just looked at the sacks and three sacks, three, uh, Yep, and no big deal. Obviously, Andrew Van Ginkle, Jerome Baker, and Emmanuel Ogba each have one. Sure. And having three sacks through two games is, I mean, you got to be better than that. You don't really have a lot of guys on this team. Somebody needs to step up who can pass rush, is what I'm getting at. Christian Wilkins needs to, Emmanuel Ogba. Somebody needs to step up, get pressure on the quarterback, because the, the connection between the secondary and the pass rush, actually, line, or who are pass rushing, is so unique to me because having 
let's say the Dolphin situation right now, we're talking about it. You said it. You can't cover for four to five seconds. So I don't care who you are, unless you're like prime time to roll Revis, maybe probably not even him. You cannot cover a guy for that long amount of time. They're going to get open somehow. They're going to get like that step of separation and then catch the ball eventually. But also the thing is, if you don't have, say you have an elite defensive line or elite pass rushers, that's going to help you a lot. But if you have just crap in your secondary, you're going to get burned in a quick game to, by a million uh, cuts to that million deaths. I mean, it's just going to get brutal either way you slice it. And right now the Dolphins are stuck in a situation where they don't have the pass rush. They have good D-backs, but they're screwing them over. So they need to find somebody on this roster. I don't know who it's going to be because I don't see anybody yet. I'm looking at the roster right now. I don't see anybody yet on this roster who's going to step up. Maybe Christian Wilkins will. Maybe it's like his second or third year, I can't remember. But he'll step up and be a decent player. Yeah, second year for him. I mean, they need somebody to because otherwise this defense is going to going to get ugly. It's been tough. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, that's something I might have underestimated coming into the year. Um, you know, and, and it sounded like Shaq Lawson and Ogba and those guys had a pretty nice training camp and they might have had a little bit more confidence in them. But, yeah, through two weeks it's been tough, um, you know, and – on, on those third long situations or whatever it may be, it just, it feels like, you know, whether it was Cam or Josh Allen just have had all day back there to kind of move around and, and yeah. you know, hit the crossers or whatever it may be. And something they got to get figured out real fast, because like you said, this, uh, it could get ugly and it's, it's, it's been a glaring issue for sure through two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about the current team, the Dolphins and how they've done through two games against obviously the Patriots and Bills. But how do you feel about this team? Obviously, it's been two weeks only, but how do you feel about this team for the season? I don't want – I'm not asking future seasons, but how do you feel about this team this season? How do you think they're going to do? How do you feel – anything you feel about this team for the future yeah, of the season? Absolutely. I think um, I think week two is a big one. I think that was a big swing game in division. Um, you know, I think if they wanted to make a legitimate wild card push, um, they would have had to have got one of these two. And I'm not saying the season's over. Obviously, there's 14 more right. games. But um, I, I think this season, to, to be totally realistic, I think it's uh, anywhere from a five to seven win football team. And I think, um, you know, continuing to, to develop a lot of these young guys, getting them reps. And ultimately, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm hoping they're, they're going to turn the keys over to Tua at some point around halfway through the season when he's ready, when that offensive line's ready. And, um, you know, from my perspective, I know a lot of people might feel otherwise, but Ryan Fitzpatrick's not the issue, in my opinion. Um, you know, I think he's played some quality ball. You're, you know what you're going to get. I think he's a, he's a great leader. He's somebody these guys are going to fight for. So I think a lot of people thinking that an immediate quarterback change is going to lead to an unbelievable amount of wins. Um, I, I think they, they got to figure out the issues on the defensive side of the football first. I think Fitzpatrick's been able to ride the ship pretty well on offense. And, um, you know, but, but he is what he is. He's a bridge quarterback, and you're going to want to see what you got in Tua at some point. So hoping by at least halfway through the year we can see Tua and kind of see how this offense, you know, evolves. I think you're going to see a lot more RPO concepts. I think they're going to, they're going to look a little bit different than they would with Fitz. Um, but like I said, I think big picture, um, they're, they're a five to seven win football team. They're going to battle. I think they're going to be in every single game and uh, they got to learn how to win. I think mm-hmm. that, that this year is big with um, at the end of last year, they, they showed some flashes. They came together. They learned how to win. Um, they got to have some young players step up and, like you mentioned, um, they're they're a young young team. You know, yeah. one wasn't built in one day. I, I I'd like to think at the at the start of this year, I was pretty optimistic, saying they're a playoff team. Lots gonna have to change um, in order for that to happen. But mm-hmm. 
I don't see, you know, any reason why they can't battle, um, you know, and compete. But you look at their crossover, you know, divisions. They got the AFC West and they got the NFC West. It's a, it's a brutal schedule. It's tough, you know. And, and I think uh, I think if they can get five to seven, maybe even eight wins out of that schedule, I think that'd be a, a very, very big sign of improvement and, uh, you know, something big for Brian Flores' team. Yeah, absolutely. Um I'm going to ask you a question here. I didn't talk about this with you before the podcast, but last time my podcast, I had my buddy uh, Paul Duncan, the podcast. If you're listening to that, go listen to that. It's my second latest one besides this one. He is a scouting coordinator over at Expand the Box Score. And we were talking about teams we think could be one of the bottom teams, like the Paz and Rome pick team. And we threw the Dolphins in there, being that so far they haven't been well, uh, and they're a young team, and things could get bad. Like any team, like the Jets, we put in there, uh, Pants, we put in there because they're young, a bunch of teams we put in there. But I want to ask you, he, I don't know how much college ball you watch, but we put it this way if this team, X, Team X, had a more pick, what should they do with it? In, in your case, say the Dolphins, everything went bad. Three and 13, two ahead, Dwayne, Dwayne Haskins type of year where he struggled, but he looks like a rookie, so you're not panicking. And your team just goes three and thirteen. Defense never pick it up. Offense still struggles. They get to the number one pick for whatever reason. Some team gets four and twelve. You get three and thirteen. However, it happens. What do you do with the number one pick? Do you go Trevor Lawrence? Do you trade it away? Do you take somebody else? What do you think you should do? I don't know how much college football you watch, but what yeah. would you do right now? Man, that's I. You know, I actually kind of thought about this too, Lucas. It's a unique situation. Um, at the end of the day, it's all going to depend on Tua and, and mm-hmm. his movement. Um, like you said, you know, if he goes out there and he struggles and it doesn't look like the, the greatest fit in the world, and if they've got Trevor Lawrence as their highest ranked player on their board and the guy that's going to change their franchise, then I think they do it. Um, you know, it, it, it would be brutal. It, it'd be kind of Josh Rosen-esque, you know, if you will, with what mm-hmm. they did. Um, so it's not to say that it's never been done before. Um, you know, for me, I, I really hope Tua's the guy. I, I, I love Tua as a person. I think he brings a lot to the table, uh, obviously, as a quarterback as well. But, um, you know, it, it, like I said, it really bodes on that quarterback position. Yeah. Uh, flashes from Tua, then I've got no problem, you know, taking an offensive tackle as well and just really solidifying that offensive yeah. line. Um, you know, the, the more beef up front, the, the better. I think the, the kid out of Oregon would, would certainly – Peninsula, yeah you know, come to mind, but it, you know, if for me early on targets, I think, a, you know, maybe not at number one, but um, Micah Parsons from Penn state mm-hmm. backer, I think could be a dynamic player that could really bode well for their defense. Um, I love Jamar chase, Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle. I think they really need another playmaker on offense, um, but certainly not at number one, but yeah, like I said, if I had a crystal ball, it really would come down to what happens at that quarterback position. If we see any promise, um, you know, and, and who knows, Patrick, if they, they end up catching fire, could play the whole season. Um, you know, he might be done in a couple of weeks. I have, I have no idea how it's going to unfold, but it's a good hypothetical. Uh, and like you said, if things, as much as I, I love this football team, like you mentioned, things could go south, a couple injuries, mm-hmm. um, tough schedule. You never know what can happen in this league. So it wouldn't be uh, the craziest thing in the world for them to, to kind of end up in, in that top five spot again. Right. Yeah, I put it to him this way because I looked at I don't hate the Dolphins roster. Like I like their roster. And in like a vacuum, I could see him finishing like a six and ten team just outside the wild card, but promising. The problem is they're facing 
are not ex- not an easy schedule at all. I know the 49ers are hurt and all this, but they still got some pieces on that roster. Uh, Cardinals are looking good. Chiefs are obviously going to play. I mean, you have Patriots again. You have the yep. Bills again. You got a bunch of teams who are tough. You got Raiders who looked good against the Saints last night. They got the Raiders. They got the Chargers. They got the Rams. You know, it's 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 a gauntlet. It really. Yeah. It's going to be tough. And put them. I'm like, it's a possibility. I mean, you were already down 0-2 in their in their regular season, and you still got to play the Patriots and Bills again. And so I put it them. I put it this way for my reaction. He said he'd take Trevor Lawrence because he wasn't as high in two coming to the draft. He was a little higher in Herbert. And all this stuff. But I put it this way. I would not blame him at all for taking Trevor Lawrence because I believe Trevor Lawrence is – he gets up onto the NFL field today and perform at a quality level to me. From what I think. He's, yeah. he's just crazy. But I also put it this way. I wouldn't blame them for – if they didn't want Trevor Lawrence for whatever reason, say they saw Tua do good and whatever reason, instead of taking a penny Sewell or that, they could just go King's Ransom – they could just hold the team hostage, take whatever team wanted to, get like four for some picks, do some just some crazy deal, and just really get that team going. A bunch of draft picks. Somebody's going to hit on one of those. I mean, it, if they happen to follow the pick, it's going to be interesting. I agree. I think um, you hit it right on the head. I, that, that's a very, very realistic possibility if they were in that position. Chris Green and Brian Flores are well-known for stockpiling assets. Oh, yeah. having, uh, they love having draft capital. And you got the number one pick in, you know, a quarterback needy team looking after Trevor Lawrence. You know, you think the Eagles gave up the hall trying to get Wentz or the Rams getting gone. Mm-hmm. This could be the biggest move that anybody's ever made. You know, oh, yeah. the team was that desperate to get a guy like Trevor Lawrence, you know, a quarterback prospect that I don't think we've ever seen the caliber of or one of the better ones we've ever seen the caliber of. So it could be crazy. I think, um, you know, between that and already having the Texans first round pick as well, the Dolphins yeah. love the they could uh they, they could really stockpile some assets so we'll, you know that that is a good hypothetical to think right i think it's i think it'd be smart of them i think the draft is the hardest thing in the world everybody thinks they're a genius at it minus the dolphin size here right now but everything's their genius at the draft every scout thinks they know what players are gonna turn out like every gm thinks or they know what the players are gonna turn out like but in reality nobody does i mean the draft is so hard to narrow down because you don't know guy personality you don't know how they're gonna fit in a team you don't know what's gonna happen in their life any of this stuff. So it's so hard to predict. So I think adding picks to your team and getting more picks just increases your chance of hitting on a pick. I think it's the most important thing you can do in the draft. But uh, last thing before we get you out of here, we had you on here talk about the Dolphins, talk about Thursday Night Football. I want to hear your predictions. Score, players were going to do good, whatever you want to say about the prediction for uh, Jaguars against Dolphins. I believe, is it in Jacksonville? It is, yeah. It is in Jacksonville. Not a far drive away from Miami, though. Uh, what are your predictions for this game? Anything you want to predict? Yeah, in-state battle. This is a tough one. Like I said, early in the year, I circled this and, and really felt good about this game. But Jacksonville, they're a scary offense to me. Mm-hmm. I, I like the, the young pieces, James Robinson, LaVisca Chenault, uh, Gardner Minshew, obviously, is, is wildly entertaining. I think he's fun to watch. Um, I, think, I think it's going to be a good game. I really think it's going to come down to the wire. And Something in my gut tells me it's going to come down to this Dolphins defense on the field, maybe with a four-point lead, uh, trying to hold off the Jags from scoring a touchdown. I I just have a feeling it's going to be coming down to the wire. Um, So I'll give you a prediction. I'm going to go 31-27 Miami um, over Jacksonville. I think uh, this is a good opportunity for for the Dolphins 
to get on track and, and get this offense going. I'm hoping we get a little bit more balance, um, you know, and, and don't have to take as or you know, put as much on Ryan Fitzpatrick, but we'll go with uh, a three touchdown performance from Fitzpatrick. Um, I'll give, I'll give one to Isaiah Ford um, just cause we're, we're going here. We'll go one to Isaiah Ford. We'll go with um, a touchdown to Gaskin out of the backfield and we'll go Devonte Parker. Um, so we'll go Ford Parker Gaskin. We'll say they get a rushing touchdown, maybe Jordan Howard. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I think for the Jacksonville side of the football, I think James Robinson's going to have some success until unfortunately the Dolphins run game proves me otherwise. Um, I, I think James Robinson, the uh, undrafted rookie out of Illinois state, will have a pretty nice day. Um, so we'll give Robinson a good day. I think, uh, their young, uh, you know, receivers are going to make some plays, but we'll go 31 27 with a big stop from the Dolphins defense, whether it's a turnover on downs, um, or an interception to kind of hold them off. But I think it's gonna be a good game. I, I don't think Miami can overlook them, um, in the spreads minus three Jacksonville. So, the end of the day, the Dolphins are road dogs, and you know until they prove it, they gotta they gotta go out there and battle. I think it's gonna be a good game. Right. I think if you asked me this question before the season started, and you said who do you think is going to win this game in Week Three, Thursday night game? I know it's a weird question to ask, but just before the season started, I really would have said Miami because I think Miami on paper had the better roster, and I know that before even before the moves, even before the season started, the Jacksonville Jaguars were making moves, and not moves to build on their teams, moves to get guys off their team, get draft picks, rebuild, tank essentially. And I would talk to Dolphins. But weirdly enough, Gardner Minshew, I don't know what he's do- how he's doing it. I mean, he's playing so well in Jackson right now. He's like tank-proof. And the PFF guys said in their podcast, like their drag wives are trying to tank, trying to lose games, but Gardner Minshew will not let them lose games. He's not going to let it happen. No. They're, going after two, they're going after Trevor Lawrence, but he's not going to let it happen. He's going to make them finish like 6-10, and 10, and just drag them to an average record just of the wild card. And I think I'm going to go with the Jaguars, I think. But, man, I think it's going to be an oddly close game. It's going to be one of those games where it's two teams who probably will not be in the playoffs who are just random teams. But I think it's going to be a good game because you got Gardner Minshew, who's a good, I think, quarterback. I mean, I don't know what to make of Gardner Minshew right now. Such an interesting player, but yes. you got Gardner. You got Mikaseki and then proving uh, Dolphins offense. It was likely to look better. Uh, you got a decent running, a solid running game in Jacksonville. A defense who doesn't know what they're doing yet in Miami, who has pieces everywhere and might click at any moment, <laughs> honestly. But right now they haven't. I think it's going to be a really, really good game. Yeah, it's a tough game to project. Like you said, I think coming in on paper, like I said, I had this one circled, but. Jacksonville, they're, they're a scary team. I think Gardner Minshew, like we mentioned, um, man, he's been accurate. He's been fun. He's got a oh, yeah. anger and charisma to him that, um, you know, I, I think it's kind of similar to like a Fitzpatrick type of swagger where guys just mm-hmm. – they, they, they gravitate towards him, and he's a good player. And, yeah, oddly enough, you wouldn't think that Jacksonville and Miami would be must-see TV, but I think it's going to be a pretty good game. And, um, you know, fingers crossed we get a, a, a fun one on Thursday night. Yeah, Last thing, Gardner, I mean, he is that guy where he is going to always be competing for a job because he's Gardner Minshew, but I think he's always going to win it. He doesn't have the cannon for an arm like most QBs have. He doesn't have the strong arm where he can fit carpet balls in the tight spaces or he can just launch deep balls with incredible velocity or any of that stuff. But he has the accuracy, the timing, the anticipation that will just win teams' games. I, I love Gardner. But uh, that's all for the podcast today, guys. Thank you for listening. Before this, I had the picks. Uh, 
this is obviously the interview part of the podcast, but thank you for listening again, guys. Thank you to Alex for coming on, buddy. I appreciate it once again. Um, that's all. Alex, anything you want to plug? Any Twitter, anything you want to put out there in the Twitter world, podcast world? Yeah, I, I appreciate you having me. Uh, at Alex Kujawa17 on Twitter, uh, A-L-E-X-K-U-J-A-W-A-17. But again, Lucas, appreciate you having me on. Uh, always fun talking ball, and uh, let's do it again sometime soon. Absolutely. We'll definitely have to. That's our whole podcast, guys. Follow the podcast at the Aired Out Pod on Twitter. Follow my personal account at LucasU2. Follow Alex on Twitter. Uh, review the podcast on all that good stuff. Thanks for listening, guys. See you later.